Fill this place with your glory, Lord. Fill this place. Come fill this place, oh God. It's you we live for. It's you we long for. It's your presence that we are seeking more and 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 more of your presence, more of your glory. Lord God, it's you that we need. It's your presence that changes us. It's your presence that makes us into what we're called to be. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we lean in this morning to your presence. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. Father, awaken us to our need of you. Awaken us this morning, Lord, that you can be found. Let the possibility, Lord, of coming into a new revelation of your presence and your power and your glory. God, let it touch our hearts. Let it give life to a pursuit, a lifelong pilgrimage into your presence. Into your presence. Into your presence. Just continue to lean into the presence of the Lord. The promise that we have is that if we seek Him, if we seek Him, we will find Him. If we knock and continue to knock, the door will be open. If we seek and continue to seek, we will find Him. And so we're not afraid of seeking. We're not afraid of knocking. Because in our continuous seeking, in our continuous knocking, something is being changed inside of us. So if you're here visiting Spruce Grove Community Church, welcome. We welcome you to seek God with us. Oh, Father, we are overwhelmed this morning by the possibility of another level of glory, another level of your presence. You who dwell in unapproachable light, we will be changed this morning. Oh, God. We invite you, Holy Spirit. So as we continue to press in this morning, I want to encourage you. Lead with desire. Don't lead with a processing mind. Lead with a heart that that hungers. Out of the possibility that he is the only answer for your breakthrough today. For things that you've never imagined, lead with desire, God, I want more of you. Lean into him with that this morning, and you will find him. just want to share a word. This is a prophetic word the Lord was just showing me. And he was showing me, he says, when David came to the throne, and, and he became a plumb line for all the other kings and for the nation. 
And when he came, became king, he wasn't planning that. He was just following the Lord and serving God with all his might. But then it says, he says, he became a plumb line that all of the nation looked to that this is what a king is supposed to be. And they, they, they judged all the other kings accordingly. And in the same way, he's saying, saying, I want to make this church a plumb line for other churches to follow. And so down the road, they're going to say, well, what about the, the, the Spruce Grove Church? This is what happened there. And it becomes a plumb line for them to follow. And it becomes a, 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 a pathway for them to say, well, this is the direction because they showed us that. And that's the direction that the Lord wants to take this church. And he wants you to be able to see that. He wants you to be able to see that, that that is your capacity. That is your ability that he has placed within you. And it's not something you attain for. It's just something you do. Because as we serve the Lord, even as David was the king, he wasn't there to be the king. He was there to be the servant of the Lord. But as he pursued the Lord with all his heart, all his might, and he didn't care what others saw or what others thought of, but he became that he became that, that anchor for the, for the rest of Israel for generations. And even today, they still look to him as, as the one to follow. And, in the, and now, he also, we also, the Lord was showing me, he's saying, look at, look at some of the revivals and the revelations that I, have, that I have brought forth. Those weren't new things. I just revealed them to you. You just didn't know them. They were always there. But even in Azusa Street, and I, I, I was bringing back a well, a spring. And even though the physical church and the physical revival has ceased, we still drink from the well. We still drink from the well. And in the same way, it says that, that as I want, the Lord says, I want to bring up a spring within the midst of this ministry, within the midst of this church. And people will be able to take it and drink from it. And even when this church is gone, if it happens to be gone, people in generations will still drink from that well. And so God says, start to search me. Start to, to reach out for me with everything that is in you for this purpose. That others may drink. That others may have a, a direction and know the ways of the Lord. Do you know what you're saying yes to? You're saying yes to what you don't know. You're saying yes to that which you've never seen before. David had an unusual courage to lean into a template that was not pre-existing. Every king before him, every land all around, they just, they just sort of copied one another. And that is the tyranny of what happens in churches. And you might be here visiting today, and you come in, and right away you begin to measure what's happening here by what happened in the other church that you were in before. And if you are stuck on that is the right way, then, then this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. So we're saying, yes, God, we want to lay down what we know. Oh God, oh God, 
Oh God, we declare there is a knowledge yet to be revealed to us. We declare there is an application of a wisdom yet not seen. Eye is not seen and ear is not heard. How many of you are in a place where you need God to show up? It's a rhetorical question. Because so many of us, so many circumstances, we need God to show up. Scripturally, time and time again, He shows up at a sacrifice. I think of the showdown on Carmel. Build the altar with 12 stones. Cut up the oxen. Put it on top. Pour water over the sacrifice three times. They were in the middle of a drought. Pour water three times. Are you in a drought of the Spirit of God? Are you in a drought of the Holy Ghost visiting you? Are you in a drought of hearing the Lord's voice? The Lord responds to sacrifice. What does that look like for you? Sing something you've never sung. Dance. Raise your hands. Get out of your chair. I don't know. But more than what you've been doing. If he's not showing up, it's time for a sacrifice. What do you need to do? The king of Israel had to strip down to his underwear and go through the center of the capital city in front of the ark, dancing like a madman. What have you got to do? What have you got to do to get the presence of God attracted to your life? What have you got to do? Is it more than what you're doing now? He's worthy. That's not the question. What are you going to do? What are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to lay on the altar? Your dignity, your pride, your reputation, your comfort, your pleasure. What are you going to lay on the altar? And before we shift into the next phase, we're going to sing one more song. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to... This is not the precursor to the next thing. This, when it's full, gives us kingdom permission to move into the next thing. If it's not full, there's nothing else to move into. And so if you're at the end of your passion, if you're at the end of your capacity, dig a little deeper. God, God, we, we are here to seek you today. Because it's your presence that we long for. God, it's your presence that we need. Father, let that reality bear down on us today. That the breakthrough that we long for, the awakening just beyond our reach, is in your presence. Jesus, Son of David. There are things that I've said over and over, over again and again over the years. But they continue to stand true. And it is part of the DNA of this body. And Kim just shared a prophetic word about the DNA, the calling of this body. We are leaning into something that God has longed His people to lean into for 2,000 years. He's looking for a people that literally become the gate of heaven. Now bear with me for a minute. 
church for many of us. If you can imagine hot, a hot day, you're walking in downtown Spruce Grove, if there is a downtown, and it's hot outside, and you go by, you know, the mall, and somebody's coming out of the mall, and suddenly the, you get this gust of cool air. Do you know what I'm talking about? You get this gust of cool air. This gust of cool air. And you think, oh, that's so refreshing. We come to church and we sing these songs and we get this gust of cool air and we, and we come back because it was refreshing. Oh, man, I, I went to that church and there was this presence that was refreshing. But you know the thing about a refreshing gust of cool air is that there are diminishing returns. Diminishing returns. It, it was cool, but you, you long for more and you're, you're looking for a higher level of that. Well, do you know what you got to do? You can't just stand at the threshold. You actually have to go in. And what God is looking for is the people that aren't just congregating around churches because somebody's opening a door. But there's a kind of access that he's giving you into his presence. And we thought church was coming to a room where the pastor did something and the worship team did something and the intercessor did something. Somebody laid hands on me and I got goosebumps. Right? I got that refreshing, I got that feeling and I just want more. And we, we're looking for others to give that to us. And God is saying, stop looking for others to give it to you. Step into it. And some of you are here today. You think, I remember the first time I came to this church. Man, it was so amazing. And you think, what happened? Why, why am I experiencing that beauty of that first time? Why isn't it? Why aren't I being overwhelmed? Where's the beauty of that moment? I say to you, it's still there. But you become, you become accustomed to a level of that presence. And what you want is to be overwhelmed by another level. Do you know how you get that? You enter deeper. That door is available here. But it's not going to be served up to you on a platter anymore. Not because we're not, but because God isn't. Because he's saying, enter in. Enter in. Enter in. Enter in. Enter in. Enter into my presence. There is a magnitude of the glory and presence of God that is going to flow through portals called churches. Gateways to the resource of heaven. And you, Spruce Grove, you, Parkland County, we're not talking about just this church, but we're talking about a region. The gate of heaven, the gate of heaven is being established through a throne of worship. Worshippers. People who worship in spirit and in truth. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait for the next thing to happen. Lean in. Yeah, come on. Spring up a well. Come on, prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. Here in this place, here in this place, spring up a well. Oh, God. Now, in just a second, we're going to release a shout. The shout is a prophetic sound. 
that releases an anointing to break yokes. And I want you to think of people that are under witchcraft. I want you to think of people that are under alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, hopelessness right now. When we release the shout, I want you to send out an arrow to them. It is a prophetic sound of intercession for their life. Anybody you care about that needs a breakthrough. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hey! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let your glory come. The Bible says, prophesy according to your faith. Oh, I, I thought I was just going to sit there and wait till I hear God say something and then say what he says. He's already said it. He's already said what he's going to do. The whole plan of redemption is already laid out. The written judgments are already written. Which of them do you believe is possible in the near future? Which of them do you believe can happen by virtue of you speaking them? Prophesy according to what you believe is possible. That's what it means, according to your faith. Father, we believe. (laughs) I believe all Canada will be saved. I believe there's a spring (laughs) of an ancient well here in this place. I believe... That before the foundations of the earth, God said he was going to build an apostolic house in Spruce Grove. And that living water would spring from the ground. And gush, and gush, and gush for 150 miles in every direction. One of the things that this church is called to overcome is the strongholds of the religious spirit. And you know what the religious spirit says? Says you can't do anything. You got to wait. You're not an overcomer. You're a victim. You're not. You're not an adopted son. You can't just go to the fridge anytime you want. Who do you think you are, walking around the house like you own it? The religious spirit says you are adopted. You get permission. You don't move a a toe. You don't wiggle your little finger unless you you get invited to. You sit there. You shut up and you don't do anything. And something inside of you, the spirit of adoption is inside of you. It says, no, there's something wrong with this. I'm not supposed to be a captive of fear. I'm not supposed to be immobilized. I'm a son. 
Jesus comes to Peter one day and he says, he's, he says to Peter, he says, Peter, of whom, of whom do the, do, do the, do the nations ta- take, get their tax from? Where do they get their revenue from? From, from their own sons or from strangers, from foreigners, aliens? He said, well, they, they actually don't get them from their own. They exact tax from other nations. And he says, yeah. But, so this is deep. This is deep. He said, lest we offend them, go down to the water, get a fish. Inside it, you're going to find a coin. And you take that coin and you pay the tax for you and for me. What was he saying? He, he said, listen, we are sons of a kingdom. We don't pay tax. There's a kingdom coming, Peter, that will fill the whole earth. And we are the children of that king. We are not here to pay taxes to a system. But the kingdom hasn't manifested now. So in the meantime, we're going to obey the rules and we're going to pay that tax. But believe you me, we are sons. We are not foreigners. We are not orphans. Let it come. Let your kingdom come. Now there's two full sermons right there. If you're wondering where the, when the message is coming, you already got it. You already got two of them. And you could take the next two months to meditate on those seeds. And it'll blossom into an understanding that'll redefine your life and what it means to be a Christian. But I am contending not for a group of orphans that sit outside with their, their empty bowl of porridge and say, please, sir, more. But we are sons. And we carry executive authority to prophesy the kingdom. To prophesy the kingdom. To prophesy the kingdom. And this morning... There wasn't just spiritual ideas that were floating in the room. There were natural ideas. There were ideas for businesses. There were possibilities for the expansion of your father's business. There were, there were strategies for changing what you do and where you do it and how you do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, bring us into uh, the expanse of the knowledge of God. I, I feel some of you that were starting to fall offline have come back online. Let's just lean in a little more. Who knows what else, what else we could touch this morning? Yeah, with that, there's a bit of a warning. And just stay in the presence in the Spirit. Because you can tell there's still a leading of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, in, in the desert, the Israel, Israel uh, it says they were led by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire which is the Holy Spirit, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. He says, when, the, when the, the cloud or the fire moved, it says, you move. There was, there was no option. There wasn't a, a maybe later or, or delay. Or, and, the, and that fire and that pillar did not wait for any family, anyone. When it moved, you moved. Yet, it says also that there were many families that's, that were not ready and they lacked and they lagged behind. They weren't prepared to move when that fire or that cloud moved. 
And in the same way today, there's some who aren't ready to move at the time that the Spirit moves. Because they say, well, I'm, I'm not ready or I'm not sure, so just wait. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And the outcome of those who lacked and lagged behind and didn't follow, he says they were devoured by wild animals and they were, they were destroyed and killed and, and raided by the Amalekites, which was the thorn in the flesh of the Israelites. And they were always on the outside following the Israelites, waiting for those very ones that weren't ready to, to, to follow. And, and saying, well, it's on my time. I'm going to wait and Holy Spirit will wait. And it doesn't work. And in the same way, there's a clear, this morning, a clear uh, leading of the Holy Spirit. That he's leading. He says, okay, I'm moving now. And there's times when he stands still and waits for the body. And waits for the families to be strong and ready to move. He just, he knows. But now, there's clearly this morning saying, it's, I'm moving. It's time to follow. And he doesn't stop for just a few. He doesn't stop. He carries on. It's up to us to follow. And he's leading us into something now that is greater. And every day, it leads us closer to the promised land. Every day. Closer to the fullness. Amen. Amen. Another word. My name is Raina, and um, we grew up in this church um, my family and I. And uh, I've only been back here for about six months. But since being here, um, the cry of my heart and what the Lord has put on my heart is, um, is to put on the armor of God and to go to battle. And uh, I feel the Lord has been leading me to read Lord of the Rings and so I've been in the middle of the third book. And it's all about the battle. And it's all about this building of tension. And it's all about feeling desolate and beat down. Um, but there's a king who's about to be revealed. And the king leads his warriors and he takes his riders. And they don't wait for the enemy to come to them. They charge the black gates. And in Revelation it says, I saw the heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. And the one sitting on the horse was named Faithful and True. His eyes were bright like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him and only he knew what it meant. He was clothed with robe dipped in blood and the title was the Word of God. And I just felt God saying to me, Raina, put on your armor. Go to battle. I will lead you and I will come behind you. And I will hem you in on either side. And there's a song we used to sing a long, long time ago. And it was called, Will You Ride With Me? Will You Ride With Me? And so he's saying, and this is what Aragorn shouted to his warriors. He's saying, ride now, ride now, ride now. Amen. Will you ride with me, says the Lord. We're saying yes. We're saying, yes, Holy Spirit, we will be taught by you. Yes, Lord. If you're saying yes today, stand up. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. If we're saying yes, 
We say yes, Lord. We say yes. Jesus. Now, your yes doesn't necessarily mean what mine means. Because God is calling you to do something as a part of his family, as a part of the army of God. And you got to find your lane. You got to find your purpose. And you got to do it with all your strength and all your heart and all your mind, all your soul. And that might be evangelism, and that might be creating a business, and that might be, you know, feeding the poor, and that might be worshiping, and that might be helps ministries. Whatever it is, we need you to just do your part. You carry something that makes me complete. Ben carries something that makes you complete. From the least to the greatest, if there is such a thing, and there is, we need every single part. So, Father, we say, Lord, make us whole. Bring us into fullness and maturity. Oh, God. Amen. Now, listen. Before we shift, one last thing. You know, when David was running from Saul, he was, he's in the wilderness. He's hiding in caves. And, I mean, they're living in tents. They're sleeping in forests. And, you know, they're just, they're just they, don't know, they don't have any place to, to establish anything. And that was a life for, for them. They were, they were that way for a long time. But, you know, they went from running in the wilderness and, barely surviving to the throne. David went from being a fugitive to being king. Can you imagine the difference in what a day looks like when you're a fugitive running in the, in the forest and in the wilderness to being king, to running from the king to the one that now suddenly has to make the laws? What's involved in establishing a kingdom? It might start with swinging a sword, but it ends with creating systems that, that establish community, that, put, that, that create places, cities to dwell in, streets to dwell in. The manifold expression of the, the callings in this room are more than we can imagine. And I bless every single one of them today because... Because we're not just running around with swords in the wilderness, but we're coming to a place of ruling and reigning with him. And that means establishing things that make lives better for everyone, everyone, everyone. Not just the saved, but the unsaved too. Amen? So, Father, let your kingdom come. In all that that means, Lord, show us, Father. And I just prophesy right now that there are lawyers in this room and there are doctors and, and there, are, there are police officers and there are politicians and there are business people. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, and all of these things are kingdom callings. Father, let the kingdom callings of the artists and the songwriters, 
and the builders and the inventors and the technicians. Father, we say, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm not, not going to be very long, but, um, but uh, turn to John chapter 10, if you have a Bible. You know, I, I teach on this fairly consistently when I travel, because a part of my passion is, is to help the believing community to access the resources that you, you deserve to access, you have the right to access, you are entitled to access as a son of God, as a child of the king. There are things that you have been given, but you learn how to use them and how to get them. And because we live in a natural world and the resources of the kingdom of heaven are in a spiritual world, they're not evident before us. And so it takes faith to begin with to access some of these things. When we're worshiping and we're talking about, you know, entering in, you know, um, we're actually, it's something real. It's, there are real, actual thresholds of God's presence and I talk to people like this. When I go to pray, I don't actually pray in English until I'm into a place. I just don't. You know why? Because I think it's pointless. Now, you know, some of you are really talky-talky types and you, you know, need to offload some emotional things or whatever. And, and Great. Okay, that's part of your offloading so that you can enter. Uh, I recommend you do that if you need to. Uh, I, I don't need to do that. So I just pray in tongues until I feel a shift of atmosphere. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, I have, I have this other thing. Let's use this thing. So I, uh, I pray in tongues until I feel a shift of atmosphere. And I learned that as a young Christian. That, and I thought that was a thing that actually so excited me when I got saved. I, just, I, I realized that in worship that I'm actually coming into something. That I'm actually... And I, the threshold of being out and being in began to be, get clearer and clearer and clearer. Once it becomes, begins to be clear, you, you don't settle for being out. Church or any experience or any day or anything doesn't even begin until you feel that other atmosphere. I encourage you to find that line. It's not as elusive as you'd think. But it's out there. You've actually crossed over into it. But it's kind of like, you know, runners when they, you know, you start to run. And, and uh, when runners have run a lot and they've experienced, they know what the threshold is of getting your second wind. They can define explicitly what that threshold is. Now, that may not mean anything to some of you. It doesn't mean you actually haven't experienced the second wind. It's just you don't know the definitive place as acutely as a, an experienced runner does. Similarly, as Christians, you've all cross the threshold into the spirit and experience the spirit, not just because a door is open and something's come on you, but you've pulled, been pulled into realms of the spirit. What if you didn't need to be pulled into by somebody else's ministry? And in fact, the, the, the way that God does this is he makes you less able to rely on others for things he wants you to do yourself. And that's why Christians get frustrated with churches. Not because the church is so bad. Well, sometimes the church does bad things, and that's true. But, 
But relatively speaking, I I watch this sort of um, disgruntledness come up on Christians and they get disgruntled. But nothing really has changed in the church. But what has changed is the threshold of their experience because God is weaning them from the dependency on the worship leader or the pastor or somebody to lay hands on them to experience something in the presence of God. Because he's saying, listen, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to begin to access yourself. And so from this time forward, you're going to get diminishing returns from your Sunday church experience. And so uh, what what happens is is people start, well, what's wrong with my church? It's not doing it for me anymore. Chances are, and it's it's entirely possible the church is in a a season that's less, but uh, usually there's a lot of ringing up here if we could eliminate that. Working on it, yes. It's not as easy as you'd think. But anyway, I want to read a passage because, you know, I, I just need it to be clear that what this is about, and I know there's so many aspects to ministry. You know, I want to learn to pray for the sick. I want to learn to, you know, to, to feed the poor. I want to learn to believe God for this. You know, so many aspects to the administrations of the kingdom of God. And, and all of them are diverse. And what you get pulled into by God might not be that prophetic, apostolic, governmental, you know, strain that I lo- happen to love. But, that's, but there is one thing that's required, is that no matter who you are as a believer, that the place from which you get the power to serve in the kingdom of God must come from the Spirit. That is a universal requirement. And so learning to access the resources that is spirit is a bottom line requirement. Yeah. And that's the why Jesus, when he, when he challenged his disciples to walk in what he was walking, he said things like, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. In other words, you should be doing no less than me. So, but when I talk about this entering thing, you know, for some people, I remember years ago when we first started saying, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know, a lot of people thought it was sort of a metaphor for, you know, an idea of, you know, well, you know, just, just, it's just an idea. We're emotionally getting more connected. We're focusing on God. What if it was more tangible than that? What if your entering was quite specific? I told you the story a little while ago, and I'll, I, I told you the story about when I was in Cologne at one time at, at uh, um, New Life, and there was a conference going on. And there was a, I was up in the speaker's lounge and we were, we were together and somebody was praying over the corner. I was with a couple of guys and I kept getting distracted. I was happening over there. There was a woman over there. She was all, all excited and emotional. Did I tell you that story? Yeah. Well, okay. I won't try to tell the whole thing. But anyway, I was, I was a little distracted by that and I thought she's quite emotional. And, um, and the Lord said, come over here. I want to show you something. So I go over and I was not disposed to join her in her what I thought was raw emotionalism at the moment. And so I said, Lord, what do, you, what do you want to show me? And there's people around and some really senior leaders in the body of Christ. And I'm thinking, okay, so she can't be a lunatic because these are, these are stable, reputable voices here. Um, and so I said, Lord, what do you want? And, and uh, I was predisposed to be against this because I, I, I had just recently been weaned from emotions through a 14-year season. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, what is going on here, Lord? And I felt a pull on my spirit. And I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release myself to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to participate in it. You know, it's amazing what you decide and don't decide. 
you're going to move into. And how much that is based on fear and faith. It's amazing. But uh, so I said, okay. And as soon as I did, I suddenly was in this place in the spirit. My body was inundated with this oil of the spirit. Every cell in my being was, was resonating with the love of God. And I began immediately to weep. And, uh, and I was stunned because it, it wasn't just an experience. It was a place. And I knew it was a place because what struck me was the, the familiarity. You know, when you've been a place before, it's like a deja vu. You think, I've been here before. This, it's all very familiar. And I was in this place and I thought, I've been here before. I know where this is. How, do, how, did, how did I get here? Why did I leave? What's the way in? What's the way out? Why don't I come back? Well, how, why has it been so long since I was back here? This is, this is amazing. And it was, a, it was a moment that God chose to establish in me the idea that there is a spiritual geography to the things that he's made available to you and that you have to enter into them. And that you're, there's a skill involved in entering into those things. There's a knowledge base that enables and empowers you to do that. And, uh, and so that was, a, that was a powerful, powerful, powerful moment. There was a num- number of things that happened at that time. But part of that is some of the foundation of the school of the spirit that I do. Where I, I'm, I'm training people. I'm doing one in about a week and a half in, in Newfoundland. And uh, it is a, to empower the believer to access the things that you've call, been called to access. So when we're worshiping and we're singing, we're not just singing songs so as to stir up a remembrance or to remember, oh yeah, one day all the pain is going to be gone. That'll be great. Now that kind of sentimentality is, is a wonderful thing. You know? And as opposed to complete depression and hopelessness, it, you know, it's to be desired. But if that is what you experience as the fullness of what it means to come here on a Sunday morning and lean into the presence of God, I'm telling you, you're missing the lion's share of what's available. And even if that thing is better than anything you had before you were saved, and you think, oh, well, I don't want Mark to de- demean this. I'm not demeaning it. It's only demeaned relative to the fact that there are things that are a thousand times greater available to you. And we are going from glory to glory. But it's real. So in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about being the, sh- the shepherd of the sheep and all kinds of things. And, and there's a number of things. I mean, uh, he says uh, some great things about being the shepherd and all that. But then in verse 7, he, it seems to change. And he says this. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. We know when Jesus is speaking in these these parables, this parabolic language, you know, it's, it's very mystical. It's very obtuse, right? He's not, he's, he's not being relatively clear, you know. Uh, he says, I'm the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. You know what? It's so cool because he doesn't say, like, okay, when you say people that came before you, are you talking about Elijah, right? Elisha, where does he fit in this, you know? What about, you know, I mean, they could, they could actually have a lot of questions. The things Jesus says, they generate a lot of questions. Have you noticed that? Man, you could, you could come up with a big list of questions coming out of this. 
But he says, all who came before me are, are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear him. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Every time I'd heard this preached on, and I'd heard it preached on many times, it was a salvation call. It was a salvation message saying, listen, Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the door. You can be saved by going in the door. Accept that. This is not a salvation scripture. What is it? Now, if you heard this before, you already know the punchline. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. Go in and out. Why would you go out? What's the point of going out? I just stay in. Except you can't. Because you live in a natural world. And the end he's talking about is that through him we have access to the resources of the kingdom of heaven. And they are vividly real and not some sort of you know, opaque, smoky, mystical, Philadelphia cream cheese, commercial, cloudy, you know, we don't really know what's there. Our, our right, our privilege as sons and daughters is to become conversant with what is available in the kingdom of God because we've been called to administrate it. That's, he's saying, listen, I'm, this, this company, this kingdom, it's going to be father and sons. Joint heirs with me. But you're not going to rule over something you don't understand how to do. And while you're going to acquire more knowledge later, what you learn here, and furthermore, what you perfect here, will determine your top end there. And I could talk a lot about that, but I really wanted just to say this. The going in and out. What I learned to do is to know, to, to interact with the things that are in. And when I minister, I bring them out to others. When I come out, I bring them to others. You know, the imagery was Moses went to the tabernacle of God, to the tent of meeting. He met with God, and then he came and he down. He went up the mountain, and then he came down, and he brought the commandments. He brought the edicts, the knowledge, the wisdom of the administration of the kingdom of heaven as it applied to them at the time. That imagery still exists. That template still exists. And when we are worshiping, we are not just singing songs. Not just singing songs. And, you know, I've told this story before, but I remember a friend of mine was telling about this guy. He was a a Mennonite or something, and he went to a Pentecostal church for the first time. And he was talking to his, his friend about going to the Pentecostal church. And he says, he says, yeah, what is with the worship? He says, we sang one song 12 times. 12 times. He's like, what's the point of that? <laughs> How about the four beasts before the throne of God saying day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. Holy, you know, do you think they're maybe bored with the text? You know, can we... You know, is there a synonym in heaven that we can use, please? Can we shake it up a bit? No, because the words are part of it, but they are not the whole. And when we are worshiping in spirit and truth, if you are bored by the words, then you are missing the better part of what's happening. Because there's a living interaction. And the best 
illustration I can come up with is sitting around a campfire and staring at a fire for an hour. How do you do that? Because it's alive. It's alive. And though it, it really doesn't change much over the course of an hour, it's still captivating. Right? We, we leave the place of the threshold of the importance of the words because we're interacting with him who lives and reigns forever and ever. And like the four beasts, we, we, we rise above the threshold that the words are the primary uh, interface between us and this experience. And it's, no, we are, we are absorbing the life of him and suddenly the words, each time you say them, they gain momentum. Why? Because the thing that they're representing is becoming more real to us. And we say the same words, but we're, it's not about the words. It's about what we're experiencing. Yes. And the words keep evolving. Holy, holy, holy. And the beasts look at him again. Holy, holy. Because he's endless in his magnificence. And so we have an invitation not just to remember what happened, not just to look forward to what is, but we become a gateway of the kingdom of heaven when from this place we interact with eternity through worship in spirit and in truth. Worship is not a precursor to warm you up so that your mind is somewhat leaning towards the things of the Spirit for the message. It is a thing in and of itself. In fact, the Word is more to prepare you for the worship than the worship is to prepare you for the Word. Because what God is looking for What God is looking for is those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So Father, thank you for the ability to enter in, to experience you. Father, may that become more acute, more concrete, more definitive in our experiences. Lord, we want to be able to say with the same confidence that John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Father, that we will know definitively where that threshold is and what are the thoughts that come from me and what are the thoughts that come from heaven. God, that's where we begin to be a Christian, where we do those things. Amen?